Hey, hey, camera and everyone out there. Uh, so glad to be with you uh, this morning. My name is Dwight. I am one of the pastors of Church 21, and uh, so glad to be with you. Um, we're in this series called Remodel, and uh, we're not quite sure how long it's going to go on. This was supposed to be the end, but we're going to keep going with it because for the next few weeks, this is where we're going to be. So uh, that's it. I want to share with you a resource that I found very helpful um, the Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosario Butterfield. Uh, she speaks a lot about hospitality. In fact, I could quote her whole book. Like, I could just read this book to you this morning, uh, and that could be helpful, but I don't think that that's what the Spirit of God wants. Uh, so I'm going to set this aside and encourage you to read it. I'm also not really going to quote from her either, because I don't want to take uh, that away from you enjoying uh, this work. So... Um, I am going to pray again uh, because I'm just feeling like I should, and then we'll get going on the subject of hospitality. God, thank you that you're hospitable. Thank you that you've welcomed us in uh, this morning to wherever we are. If we're sitting in a nice warm room, uh, it's your room. Uh, that's not our house. It's not our living room. It's not our office. It's yours. Um, and you have provided everything that we need. Would we uh, pinch ourselves, in a sense, to, to remind our hearts of how thankful we can and should be uh, because of all that you've given to us already this morning. So uh, help our hearts as we engage with the subject of hospitality. We love you. Amen. Seems kind of out of touch that we're doing a series on hospitality when uh, the government says you can't have people in your house unless you meet very specific criteria. Um, but we came from a few weeks ago talking about prayer and then we moved into um, repentance, and then we moved into revival and what that could look like, and we're praying for revival, and then we moved into uh, being spirit-filled, and now we're talking about hospitality. And there's actually like a logical flow. Sometimes I watch uh, contractors do their work like just outside beyond the camera. Uh, there are, there's a massive hole, and they're building things. And I wonder sometimes, seemingly, at the times where I'm really trying to focus and concentrate and study here, they need to keep beating this thing into the ground over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It's annoying. It's annoying. Um, but they have a plan that they're working out. And this is actually the plan of God, I believe, to take us from prayer um, into being hospitable people. Uh, before I get going, I want to tell you a quick story uh, or a synopsis of a movie called Jojo Rabbit. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Can't see your hand. It's a good thing, probably. Uh, but this movie, Jojo Rabbit, incredible. The, the first time I heard about it, they were like, oh, it's this comedy about Adolf Hitler. I'm like, I don't think there are comedies about Adolf Hitler. That sounds so strange uh, to me. But yet, it's a comedy, and it really is. They do a great job, and there's a clear message in it about a little boy named Jojo and his imaginary friend named Adolf Hitler. And uh, Jojo is a Hitler youth member in, in the movie, and he's so for Hitler, and he comes home from this little youth camp, and he finds that his mom has been hiding a, a Jewish girl named Elsa. And, um, and the story is obviously uh, fit in um, World War II, and eventually the mom uh, passes away. It's a very, like, it's a generic storyline. I'm not ruining anything for you. You would, you would predict this, but the power comes in how they tell the story. But the mom passes away, and she passes away because of her actually bringing hospitality to someone like this. And not just this girl, but many people that she was for. And then at the end, Jojo becomes family with this. It, it all ends well. But watching that type of movie, watching that type of movie where there's wartime hospitality, it moves our hearts. We see compassion unlike compassion that we know of in our worlds. Because it costs something. 
It costs someone something, and in this instance, their life, to help someone be protected and keep their life. Isn't that interesting? Someone loses their life so that someone can keep their life. And in this instance, it looks beyond differences. It's not about you being Jewish or you being German. It's about you being a human being that I love and care for, and I want to protect you. When we hear these stories and read these um, articles, books, like this, it moves us, it grips us. And I think we really want to be like the mom in that movie. We want to be like the one who would see past the differences and house someone and protect them and even lay down our lives. Well, we're talking about hospitality this morning. And before we do that, I just want to say that we are at war right now. We are at war. I sat my family down this past week and I said, kids, we're at war. And he's kind of like, they're eating their breakfast, like, don't really know what you're talking about, Dad. Dad's having a moment. Uh, it's neat. We'll, we'll wait this one out. Um, but we're really at a, at a war. And we're not at, at war with our neighbors. Your neighbor is not your enemy. They really aren't. No one in the city or this province is your enemy. We're at war. And we're not at a war against COVID either, right? We have a real active enemy that's moving like a lion, looking for someone to devour, and he wants to come after you. He wants to rob you of the things that God wants to give you. He wants to steal the joy that God has placed in your hearts. Just because you're in lockdown does not mean that you can't have joy. Those aren't opposite things. We have a very real enemy that wants to destroy us. And, and we have to, I think, have a wartime mentality as we think about hospitality. We have to have a wartime type of hospitality, which is for all our neighbors. In fact, everyone is your neighbor. Jesus told this brilliant story about a Samaritan. I can't get into all of it, but he tells a story basically to show us that every single human being is our neighbor. So when we think about the homeless, we don't think about uh, just those people out there. We think about our neighbors without homes, that everyone is our neighbor. It doesn't matter their sexuality. It doesn't matter their gender. It doesn't matter their economic class. It doesn't matter their degrees. It doesn't matter what school they go to. It doesn't matter if they don't like your sports team, right? They are your neighbors. And you're like, dang it, I wish they weren't. And I, I feel that, right? I feel that there are people that I wish weren't my neighbors. But Jesus says they are. They are. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna reshape your heart to love them. Hospitality isn't just for those who are like us and who like us. Hospitality is especially powerful when it's for those who don't like us and are very unlike us. And hospitality isn't something uh, for just when we can have people in our homes. I want you to hear that. Hospitality is not for just in times when we can have people in our homes legally. That's not what hospitality is. Because here's the thing that we have to wrestle with as you read the accounts of Jesus, how many homes did Jesus have? Yeah, zero, none. He, he, he actually kind of boasted about that. As, he, as people were willing to follow him, he's like, listen, I got no home. I have no TikTok house to put you up in, right? I have nothing for you in that regard. You know, TikTok? <laughs> uh, sometimes I, I, we have people here, right? We have people. It's not just me and a camera anymore. So there's, there's humor that comes out once in a while. It's exciting. Um, but Jesus was the most hospital person to ever live, and he didn't own a house. And so hospitality, if it marks Christ, should mark us as little Christs. 
that Christians, that's what it means is to be a little Christ. Hospitality is a mark. It's showing what Christian, Christianity is supposed to be like. It shows what Christ is like. But you might be saying, ah, oh, Dwight, I can barely care for myself. It took so much work to roll out of bed and make instant oatmeal this morning. Like, how am I going to think about being hospitable to other people who can't even come in? How can we be hospitable? Well, three things. Every preacher has three points. All right, Jordan always has three points. I'm trying to be more like Jordan. Uh, number one, hospitality is our story. Hospitality is our story. In fact, hospitality is the story. It's all about the story. Okay, let me tell you the story for the first time or remind you of the story. And don't check out. Don't check out. This is really important because it's important for us to rethink the story of God from different angles, okay? So we believe in God. We believe that there's one God who exists in three persons, yet is one God. It's crazy. And if you're like, that's nuts. I know it's nuts. I get it. And if I had more time with you right now, I would explain more about this, but I just don't. So we believe in one God, three persons, one God. Never had a beginning, never will have an end. If you want to cause yourself to have like a, a headache rate in this portion of your brain, go ahead and lay down later on this afternoon and think about there's this being that had no beginning and will have no end. And be like, yeah, but what about before that? Who really began this? Good luck. Okay, that's the God that we believe in. And he, he created. Out of his overflow, he created. It's not like he was lonely and was like, ah, we really wanted to create this four-player game and there's only three of us, so if we could just create a fourth player somehow, then they could play with us. Not that. He created out of his overflow. And as he made the world, it's his world. It's his universe. It's his galaxy. He's the true guardian of the galaxy for all you Marvel lovers, all right? I'm ruining your universe because it's his universe. And he made us. He made us. And do you know what he did? He made us in such a way that he hosted us. If you look at the creation account, whether you believe it was in six days, six periods, doesn't matter for this, okay? He made everything in such a way that when he made humanity, he was ready to host us. Everything was ready. The food was there. The trees were bearing fruit. The animals were lining up to be named. Like everything was ready to go. As a good host, God hosts humanity in his world. We brought nothing. We brought nothing. That's sobering to just sit with once in a while. And you're not going to take anything with you. He gave it all. He gave it all. He gave you food. He gave you work. He gave beauty. He gave our senses. He made ice cream. He makes relationships. He made puppy dogs. He made puppies mature and not poop in the house anymore. He gave us meaning. meaning. He gives us joy. He gives us life. He brought all these things to the table for us to get to enjoy. And do you know what? He made us to enjoy him. Not just his stuff, but we are made to enjoy him. And he held nothing from us. Have you ever gone into like a dinner party and they're like, whatever you want is yours, free game. Amazing, absolutely amazing, right? Everything you see is free game to partake of. God held nothing back for us except one thing, death. He childproofed the house before we came in. It's amazing. It's so funny when you go to like a couple's house and they're like, oh, we want to host your family. You're like, yeah, yeah, but I have like four little kids and we used to have four little, little kids, right? And they're like, oh, no, it's going to be amazing. I'm like, no, like, they're going to destroy your house. You're good kids, but, like, they're just going to kill it. Like, no, no, we childproofed it. I'm like, all right, we'll see. And then you show up, and it's just like, I told you. You know, of course you didn't childproof it. 
But God did, right? He said that everything is to be enjoyed except one thing, that tree. In the middle of the living room, that tree, don't eat of it. The day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And you know what we did? Like little kids that go into a, a house that's full of decorations that we shouldn't touch, we touched it. And we didn't just touch it, we ingested it. Why? Because we decided that day as humanity that we wanted his world for us. Thanks for hosting us, God, but we'll take over from here. We'll be the host. Life and rules will be according to our way of being. We want to enjoy ourselves and we want others to enjoy us, not you. That's at the heart of what happens, that we wanna be equals with you. There can be two presidents, two prime ministers, two gods. We're up to the task. And do you know what God did? As the host of everything, he removed us from his, his paradise that he had created for us. He removed us. And he said, now death has been introduced into this world for you. You're going to be removed from this world one day. Have you ever been kicked out of a dinner party? I never have. The only time I've been kicked out of something was I was in a, a restaurant in Melbourne, Australia. And I sat down with my buddy Guy and uh, we were... We had questions about the menu. And we're, the menu is very peculiar. It's very strange. And like you couldn't change anything on the menu. And the guy just looks at us and he's like, get out. And he's like, for what? He's like, you know why. Like, I have no idea why. He's like, get out of my restaurant. All we did was ask a question about the menu. That was not the case here. All right, I don't know why I told you that story. <laughs> but, but it's weird to be kicked out of something. It's weird to be kicked out. You clearly did something incorrectly. Guy and I had broken some unspoken rule about this guy with a strange mustache, his restaurant, okay? But humanity was, was kicked out of the garden and was not gonna have a place in God's kingdom for all of eternity. That the reality of that action is that we would be eternally removed from him. We had become an enemy of him that day. And do you know what God could have done? And he would have been right to do this. He could have said, you are never going to be part of my kingdom ever, ever, ever again, no matter what. I don't want you. But that's not what God did. Let me read to you from Ephesians, book in the New Testament, chapter two, verses three to five. It says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also, right? We were, we were earning our way out of the kingdom of God. All done it. All made children under wrath. And then this is a fabulous verse. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, good host, rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, when we were enemies, God loved us. Crazy, crazy stuff. The Bible's made up of crazy things if it's not true. He made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. See, do you know what Jesus does? He comes to a world full of enemies and he says, hey guys, I know you screwed it all up, but I'm here to say that, that God the Father wants to welcome you back into his presence and into his kingdom. I'm here with the hospitality, welcome and offer. It's open. But here's the deal, it's gonna cost you it's like, well, what's it going to cost me? Well, it's going to cost you to believe that it costs me everything. It's going to cost you to believe that it's going to cost me my life. 
So what Jesus does is he actually lays down his life on the cross. He becomes our sin, our rebellion, our we're gonna take over and be hosts that day. You see, as Jesus was crucified on the cross, the same way that Jojo's mom hid that little Jewish girl inside of her house, Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he hid us in himself. And he said, I'm bearing the weight of all of their rebellion and sin so that they can be welcomed into my family, so that you can be welcomed into the presence of God. And after Jesus' death, he, he rose again to demonstrate victory and to show what our future is going to be like. It's not going to be some weird disembodied floating, playing a harp thing in diapers or toilet paper or something. It's not going to be that. Our future is going to be an embodied reality, hanging out with God the Father, the Son, and I believe still filled with the Holy Spirit of God for all of eternity, exploring the riches of who Jesus Christ is because God's hospitality is so freaking ridiculous. He's not satisfied to say, doing over, I'm scrapping this plan, new galaxy, new universe. He says, no, this one's full of enemies and I love them too much. I gotta come after them. Uh, I was sharing with our, our team here this morning that this week um, I had this like this moment of being caught by God. Um, yesterday I went sledding uh, and I had um, my little girl, I believe this is how it went. It was either Sadie or Stella, uh, my eight-year-old or my four-year-old. One of them was on the sled and I'm going down the hill and I'm, I'm at the bottom of the hill and I'm like enjoying my child and all of a sudden, boom, like someone slams into the back of me, like takes my breath away. I'm still, if you notice me limping today, it's because, no, I'm not limping. But I'm like, what just happened? I turn around and my wife is there and she's laughing. And uh, her and my other daughter had come down the hill and they had gone down backwards and they hit us. And they didn't mean to, but they hit us. And it was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. And I had that type of moment here in this office Friday where I was preparing this, finishing up, and I thought about the reality that one day, you and I, for followers of Jesus, are going to be next to Jesus. It was this like individual moment where Jesus, I'm not like a big hand holder. Um, I love holding my kids' hands. Um, but it's like this moment where Jesus grabbed my hand and began walking with me and says, I, I wanna show you all these different things. I wanna drink with you. I wanna enjoy you. I wanna feast with you. I, I want for us to enjoy one another. And I just started weeping. And I'm walking around and I'm trying to pray and I can't even like get a word out. It's that type of, of, of crying because I'm just so overwhelmed and captivated that Jesus would actually want this, right? You try and garner attention from people on social media by liking their thing or mentioning them and they never follow back. They don't mention you back. And yet we have Jesus, King of the universe, who says, I'm not gonna follow you on Instagram. I'm gonna come and get you, make you like myself and walk you around the kingdom for all of eternity, Right, that's what I'm on about. That's his hospitality. I brought like this little box of cookies this morning in for our team and I'm like, hey, trying to practice hospitality. Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm gonna bring you to gourmets of ice cream falls or something. Like, I don't know. Like cloudy, cloudy with a chance of meatballs is probably more like the kingdom than we, than we wanna think, all right? But Jesus is gonna host us as friends in his new creation forever. He's going to host you as a friend. And he's going to know you. He's going to know what you like. He's going to know who you are. 
I'm excited for that. Do you know who you are in this story? Do you know who you are in this story? Colossians 3 verse 12 tells us, therefore, pay attention. These are, these are really remarkable words. If you slow down to read the Bible, you're overwhelmed. Not with therefore, but as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Chosen ones. This is who we are in the story. Chosen ones. You are intentionally hosted by God. You're not an accident. You didn't somehow like make it into his kingdom like, who invited them? No, before God ever created, he chose you to be part of his kingdom. And you have access anytime. This book by Rosaria Butterfield is called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Jesus has given you a house key into his dad's kingdom. You get access anytime. You are holy, which means you are set apart for a purpose that he has for you. And it's to be like Jesus and also being sent as representatives of Jesus to the church and to the world. And you are dearly loved. And I think that's my favorite. You are dearly loved. In this moment, you are loved. Not future you as loved or past you as loved, but in this moment, you are loved. And there's no end to that love. In fact, that love is like a constant flow. Have you ever tried to stop a fire extinguisher that was spewing out water? Have you ever tried? No, you would probably get hurt doing it. You can't stop that. You can't do it. There's no way you can back up that, that it's going to keep going. You aren't powerful enough to stop the love of God from coming at you. You have not done things so bad as to stop God from turning his face away from you. You cannot deflect the love of God. It is going to pursue you. You ever read the story of Jonah? Go read that. You feel like you're able to escape the love of God? Stop right now. Go read Jonah. You cannot get away from him. And there's protection. There's protection that you are eternally loved and there's ammunition that you have eternal love to give to others. You are protect. It's like a tank. You're like a, a freaking army tank, right? That you are protected. There are very few things that are gonna destroy an army tank. Now, eternal army tank with Dr. Strange protecting you, right? Mixing all universes today. But like, that is, that is a serious thing. And you have ammunition. And you have ammunition so that you aren't just receiving love, but you're able to give that love away to other people. But the thing is, you can't try and give that love away before you're receiving it. You have to receive the love of God before you can give that away. And this is what hospitality really is. This is the essence of hospitality, is that we are filled We're getting shot at all day long with this fire hose of love from God so that we can then be giving out cups of water to anyone who is thirsty. That we are being filled up, and and the Bible actually says that we're we're becoming a fountain. That God is, is at work in us, and he's making us a fountain so that we're actually providing this love, God using us as a conduit through us. So this is our story. This is a story that we belong to. This is why we can be in lockdown and be the most hospitable people in the city. Because this is our story. Our our dad is a hospitable dad. The second thing is that he gives us ridiculous amounts of resources to be able to be hospitable. And I know that your mind probably just went to material goods. You're like, hey, okay, I got CERB and like, unemployment like it's not ridiculous amounts but it's it's good amount maybe I could be I'm not going to talk about that 
Not going to talk about that. So let me read to you Colossians 4, verse 2. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. So basically, Paul is calling for us to submit ourselves and our resources to God's agenda. Be in prayer, which we talked about, and be in the word. Be hearing from him in his spirit. And Paul says to guard our hearts. How? How are we supposed to guard our hearts? We're supposed to guard our hearts by being alert with thanksgiving. Guard your hearts by being alert with thanksgiving. How many of you find yourself always being alert with thanksgiving? Like, wow, I was so thankful today. Rarely do I end up at the end of the day and I'm like, I'm killing it in the thanksgiving category. It's strange. We're usually alert to what we don't have. Right, We're looking around at all the people and what they have and what they're getting and we're like, I don't have that and I don't have that and I want to have that. right? And we become discontent and discontentment breeds jealousy, greed, and selfishness. These are quick. And then discontentment, do you know what it does? It actually blocks hospitality. Discontentment blocks hospitality because instead of moving toward others to give, we, we move toward others to get. Some of you are in this city for what you can get out of this city. And the Lord's actually put you in the city for what you can give to this city if you're a follower of Jesus. There's all kinds of good culture, good art, good festivals. But the Lord has placed you here to be a distributor of his goods at this time. You see, you have everything that you need in Christ. We struggle to believe that, I know. But you have everything that you need in Christ. And resources for hospitality are not just material. In fact, I would argue that the most important resources for hospitality aren't material at all. And Paul gives them in this list, and I'll be quick with this this list because I know that we have a few other things I want to get to this morning. He says in Colossians uh, 3.12, the second part of 12 to 14, he says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So put them on means this isn't normal. You're walking around with a different clothing brand, and the Spirit's like, you got to put these on again. It's like being filled with the Spirit isn't a one-time thing. It's like, I need to be filled again. It's put on these things again. It's wintertime, put these on. Lockdown time, put these on. Summertime, put these on right? This is what happens when we're filled. We, he says, put on compassion. This is arguably the most important thing of hospitality. Put on compassion. What compassion is, is you really see Jesus. No, you really do see Jesus. But compassion is this, that you really see people for where they're at. This is what Jesus did. As Jesus would be teaching, it, the text would say he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they had been with him all day and hadn't eaten. That he saw their plight. He saw what they were up against. Having compassion means that you really grasp their reality. It's not you thinking about you primarily. Jesus was hungry too, I'm sure. But he wasn't thinking about his belly. He's thinking about the people around him and how are they going to be taken care of. And compassion isn't about like, well, if they agree with me on X, Y, Z, then I can have compassion on them. No, 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 you miss it. You miss it. 
It's, it's seeing anyone in their plight and moving toward them. You're going to have to ask the Spirit for compassion. This isn't going to all of a sudden like, I don't know, I woke up super compassionate this morning. It's not going to happen. But as the Spirit is filling you, compassion is one of those things that's going to take over. Now, false compassion happens all the time. In fact, most Instagrammable things are false compassion. Just put that out there. False compassion meets needs to ease your own conscience. Oh, I saw these people that were really needy and so I went over and took care of them and I felt really good about it after. And I'm not saying that serving Jesus doesn't also make you feel good, but if your primary thing is to like scrub away that inner voice saying you should do something about it, that's not real compassion. That's not the compassion that we're speaking of. The second thing we put on is kindness. This is being generous. It's being ready to respond regardless of how we're treated. Are you ready to respond to people who are going to treat you like garbage? Are you ready for that? Are you prepared for that? If you're going to live a hospitable life, you have to prepare your hearts to be ready to live like Jesus who is mocked, spit on, ridiculed, and ultimately crucified. If we're going to live hospitable, we, we better be ready to respond regardless of how we're treated. Now, I don't think those things are necessarily going to happen to you. But not everyone that you treat with kindness is going to return kindness. We're not just kind to those who are kind to us either. We're kind because God has been kind to us. And we can't help but being kind to others. The third thing we put on is humility. This means lowly. How many of you are excited about being lowly? Right? My mission in life when I grow up is to be lowly. Right? Not many of us. We want to take over the world. We want to be known. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're going to be lowly. If we're going to live hospitality, we have to recognize two things. One, we're not even giving what's ours. It's like, oh, you're so generous. You gave me like $10,000. It's like, oh, it's not mine. Oh, you're so generous. You gave me the sandwich. Well, it wasn't mine. You have to remember that. Otherwise, your heart's going to become proud that, oh, I am becoming hospitable. Oh, I am the one. No, it's God working through you. We're not giving what's ours. And secondly, we're servants. Your position in life is as a servant. Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why we're here. We're here to serve our city. We're here to decrease. We're here to decrease so that Christ may increase for others. Your serving is not about you. Your hospitality is not about you. It's about Jesus. Next, we're to put on gentleness. And that this means simply willing to go without so that others may have. Willing to go without so that others may have. Are you willing to do that? Next, we put on patience. This is a fun one. If you're going to be hospitable, you need to expect that things won't go well. You need to be ready to endure whatever comes. And you need to be ready to keep going. And, and patience and prayer go really together, don't they? Because as we're, we're praying for people in our neighborhood, in our city, in our, in our you know, sphere of relational influence, all that, as we're praying, we're saying, God, would you please change their heart? And you have no idea when God's gonna do that. It's not your hospitality that's gonna change their heart. It's gonna be God that's working through you that'll change their hearts. So don't stop being hospitable because you've been met with certain rejection, be patient. Keep moving toward them. It's like, you know, sometimes my kids will go knock on the neighbor's door and they'll be like, oh, they don't want to play with us. And then one time they're like, I don't think they ever want to play with us again. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 
all right, be patient. Like, let's go back tomorrow. And they're like, oh, they did want to play with us. I'm like, see, you endured. Way to go. The Lord is helping you endure. But that's the way we have to be. We can laugh at little kids, right? But if you're rejected, how, how excited are you to go back and invite that person back into something again? Be patient. Next, bear with one another. Bear with one another. This is why most people leave churches. We don't obey this command. We don't bear with one another. We're like, well, I born, I bared. This is a hard one, right? I, I, I bear something with someone long enough. I just can't do it anymore. And I get it. There, there are legitimate reasons to move on from certain relationships. But, but this call really is a, a gospel bearing with one another, which means you put up with them, but then you also lean in closer. You put up and you lean in closer. And this is the difference between the church being a clique or a club, right? That a clique is like, oh, we all look the same. We're all into the same things. We all come from the same way of life, blah, blah, blah. That's why we're all together. No, no, no. The church is supposed to be multiple nationalities, multiple languages, uh, multiple beliefs about secondary um, understandings, uh, multiple experiences of life, the rich and the poor, that we have people coming from mansions in Westmount and people from their cardboard boxes coming together, celebrating who Jesus is. That's the church. And then we bear with one another. And it's like those rich jerks. It's like, ah, those poor people that complain. It's like, yep, the Lord's put us together, hasn't he? Right? Because he's going to use the rich and the poor together to make us look more and more like Jesus. The Spirit gives us the power to love the unlovable. And the moment you think that the other person is the unlovable one, look in the mirror. You were the unlovable one. And Jesus came after you. And he put his Spirit in you to be able to love the unlovable. Put on forgiving one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Oh, unforgiveness Unforgiveness is the fruit of a forgetful heart. Unforgiveness is the fruit, or really the weed, of a forgetful heart. We've forgotten how much we've been forgiven by Jesus when we're unwilling to forgive someone else. Because sin done against you is primarily against him, and he paid for it, and he forgave it. And so he invites you into freedom. Let go of your bitterness that you're holding on to. Let go of your resentment. Let go of your sinful anger. And maybe you need to stop listening right now You can listen to the rest later and you need to call someone that you've been living in bitterness and resentment and sinful anger toward them and confess that and be reconciled today. What a huge win that would be. This is the type of stuff that Jesus does. And we don't just um, dig in and root that stuff out, but we replace it with the last thing Paul says, that we put on love, that we pursue others at all costs. I don't even like saying that. Right? Like, fleshly Dwight hates saying that. Spirit-filled Dwight likes that. That we would love people at all costs. Oh, it means that people are going to offend me more and more. It means that people are going to be in my house when that can happen that I don't like. It means that people are going to say all kinds of bad things about me, and then they're going to say, I'm sorry, and I'm going to be like, I don't want to forgive you, but I'm going to because Jesus is constraining me in this moment to do that, Right? But love, that we love and we pursue others and put their needs above ours at all costs. This is what it looks like to be the church. This is why I say, I don't think Quebec has ever really seen the church. 
think the Montreal's ever really seen the church. And maybe for many of you, you've never really seen the church. But this is a church that we're begging the Lord to make us into. Not a neat little Sunday happy clappy thing, but a church that, that works through all of our baggage and all of our garbage and all of our selfishness and our greed and our frustrations with other people to work through that so that we can arrive on the other side still with some of those things, but with a heart that's more devoted to Jesus than ever before. Right? This is what we want to be. Do you know what's surprising about this? None of these things talked about money. None of these were about financial or material possessions. We're going to talk next week about some of that stuff. I think Brian's going to do a great job at that. I've asked him to do it. I, one of the sermons he preached, I think, nine years ago, I still remember about money because it wasn't really about money. It was about Jesus. But it, it reshaped the way that I think about money and possessions, and it, it changed my heart significantly. So I'm excited for him to do that next week. But these things that I just spoke about, these are the important aspects of hospitality. If these things aren't there, then I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how many like neat little platters you put out. Like it's all garbage if it's not undergirded with this stuff. You're just putting on a really nice show for everyone. And hopefully the spirit is whispering if that's you. I, I, I'm not accusing you. I can't even see you. I'm still looking at the camera. But hopefully if that is you, the spirit is saying, give that up. There's something deeper to go after. See, the Lord wants to make you a distributor of the hospitality of God wherever you are, which means you bring compassion as you're walking your dog. Uh, you bring love as you deliver uh, cookies to your, your neighbors. Uh, you bring gentleness as you invite people to go sledding because you can do that type of thing outdoors. Now, you bring these things with you wherever you go. It's like, I, I love, okay, this is very stereotypical, but so often, Moms have snacks, right? And I love that almost anywhere we go, I'm like, Jess, what did you bring for snacks, right? And she's just like, well, pepperoni sticks. I'm like, yes, pepperoni sticks, like scoring big, right? That she's always bringing the goods for everyone. And this is, this is what we are. That the spirit is like, I always want to bring the goods wherever you are. I want you to bring hospitality into whatever you are doing. Because we're at war. We are at war and people don't know or people forget that they are being attacked. And in that moment, you get to offer out the safety and love that God offers out. So how do we put all this together? Wrapping up, Colossians 4, 3 to 6. I wish that we could actually go through all this like word by word, but we just can't. Paul says, at the same time, Pray also for us that God may open a door for uh, to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, right? Paul's casually writing this letter while in jail in chains. So that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. I'm going to say a few things really quickly on this. I wish I could say a lot more, but I just can't. Number one, pray for opportunities to be hospitable and take them when you see them. Paul is in chains as he is writing this. And do you know what he doesn't say? Uh, pray for me to get out. That's staggering, isn't it? Other places he asks for prayer for that, but not here. He's not focused on getting out. He's focused on getting God's goods out. Can you imagine, I, like literally, I can't imagine this. Being chained up, being like, hey, pal, like you have a pen over there. Can you write? 
and please, like I'm gonna be asking them to send that to the politicians who can get me out of this situation. Not like, would you please write for the Church 21 in Montreal to be praying for me to be hospitable while here in chains. And yet that's what Paul is doing, right? I wanna get the goods of God out here. Paul oftentimes had to be chained to a, to a, um, a Roman guard. Imagine what that Roman guard heard about all day long, right? <laughs> that Rome was changed from, from the guards up, in a sense, because like the gospel would just be coming from them. That this is what Paul is obsessed with. Pray for opportunities and take them. Be looking for them. This means that you're on the offense, not the defense. Look for opportunities to babysit. Look for opportunities to make a meal. Look for an opportunity to call someone. Like people actually use these things to do more than count down how long their sermon is going, right? They actually call, call people. That's the proper way to do it now. You text someone. You're like, oh, I'm awkward on the phone. Text them and stop being awkward. Um, like learn, there's probably a masterclass for that. I don't know, look it up. Um, like walk with someone. You can do that, I think. I think that's legal, mostly. Uh, say hi you're like, I don't know, my neighbor's super weird. Have you ever tried saying hi to them? No. What did you learn this Sunday? I learned to say hi. Like that would be a big win because the spirit might use that hi to do all kinds of things. Shovel someone out. Our kids, <laughs> I wish I could say this was me. Our kids, when they go out, I'm like, hey, go shovel off so-and-so. It's like, I'm delegation king over this, right? Spirit's like, you need to do some more shoveling, Dwight. I know. Uh, but he like I tell the kids, I'm like, go shovel these places. And they do it. And our neighbors all notice this stuff. And they're like, oh, your kids, blah, blah, blah. And that's my opportunity to talk about how we want to be generous neighbors because we have a generous God, right? That, that my boys love Jesus so much that they're willing to go out. Sometimes begrudgingly, we all do. But Jesus said, which one is the one who actually obeys? The one who says, I will do it and then doesn't do it? Or the one who complains and then at the end of the day does it, Right? Shovels, send gifts, Amazon, like treat people, send them. Uh, Juliet and Chocolat delivers. I don't know if you knew that. You're, like your whole life and budget might have just gone down the tubes at this point. Um, but you can still run though, it's cool, you can exercise. But send, send food, send coffee, send gifts, and give your time. Reorient your heart around the needs of others. As you're sitting in your house seeing like, ah, I feel so alone, or I wish someone would do this, Think about who else is sitting alone in their house wishing someone would do that. Spend some time with Jesus and then provide that for them. My wife, we had the conversation last night. We are tearing down a wall in our house so that we can have, when the time comes, we can have more people in our house, right? That's all my wife. My wife wants more people. I'm like, no, make the, make the bigger wall, like fewer people. She's like, more, like more people. I'm like, okay, okay. So like my wife is so hospitable. This is what she wants, right? And sometimes it's gonna cost you a significant amount of money to have a real wall or proverbial wall torn down so that you can be more hospitable to people. And if you have a hospitable heart, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna lose out on opportunities for you. Oh, you're going to be like, oh, but I could have gone on vacation to this place. Like, yeah, but you got to pay someone's debt off. Oh, I could have, could have gone out to eat this many times. Like, yeah, but you got to provide a whole year of food for that, for that family. Right? You're going to lose out on all kinds of opportunities for you, but you're going to gain opportunities to care for people as God's servants. 
I'm not saying vacation's wrong or eating out's wrong or gilet and chocolate's wrong. If you have it three times a day, it's probably wrong. But I'm not saying those are wrong, but allow for, for your heart to be oriented toward other people. And the second thing, um, how do we put this all together? Pray for opportunities and take them. The second is be wise with your time and your words. Be wise with your time and your words. Schedule blocks of time in your calendar for other people. We have it in my calendar. I know what color it is. It's like invite others over. Right? I know that doesn't exist anymore. But that's in our family's calendar. That we don't know who it's going to be in that block this week, but someone's going to be in that block. Spend time with someone this week. Who's that going to be? I don't know. Have lunch with someone this week. Who is it? I don't know. We're going to find out. And I'll either offensively pursue someone or someone's going to come to me and I'm like, oh, you're the person that's supposed to fill this. But make time for it. Otherwise, it's not just going to happen. Use words to encourage, welcome, build up, and help. People aren't used to being complimented. Do you realize that? They're not used to being complimented. They're not used to being invited. I remember I invited one of our neighbors to supper pre-COVID, and she looked at me like I was the most awkward human being that ever existed. And there was silence. And I'm like, so? You know, she's like, oh, no, I can't tonight. You know, I'm like, okay. But like, we got to talk about that later, and no one had invited her over for supper other than her family. That didn't happen in her world. People aren't used to that. People aren't used to being pursued and not to be used for something. Don't, don't pursue people so you can share the gospel with them. Pursue them because God loves them. And as the opportunity comes up, man, yeah, you want to share the good news with them because you know this is the best news. But don't pursue them as a project. You're like, ah, that project didn't work out, Xing them out, moving on. Right? I've heard, I've heard uh, people talk about people as like, ah, don't cast your pearl before swine. And I'm like, yeah, I get what Jesus was saying, but I don't think it meant don't waste your time with that person loving them, right? Don't misapply the Bible in strange ways. I already mentioned this, but your hospitality is going to be rejected at times. You're going to be offended by people, but you're already accepted by Jesus. So have a soft heart and a hard forehead. Get really thick skin and a really soft heart. Get used to the fact that people aren't going to like you for all kinds of reasons, right? People probably already don't like you for all kinds of reasons that you don't even know, right? Because we're weird. But you're accepted by Jesus. And keep asking even when people say no. We had a neighbor that moved out. We invited her over for supper probably at least 20 times. She never said yes. That's fine. Now we have new neighbors. We're talking about supper as soon as COVID is done, right? That we want to keep pursuing people and pursuing them with hospitality. Are you willing to be lowly, to be disrespected, to be the scum of the earth so that others might be hosted by Jesus? It's a hard thing, isn't it? But your response to hate, your response to hate that you receive speaks of a different kind of kingdom that you belong to. So ask the Spirit. We talked about being Spirit-filled. Ask the Spirit what He might want to say and do through you so that others might experience Jesus. I'll end with just these two illustrations. Um, do you remember being, being a kid? Um, some of you are kids, so maybe this is like, a, yeah, I remember that, like now. It's good, easy to apply. If you're still with me, like, it's amazing, kids. Um, do you remember being a kid? I, I, as a kid, would get on my bike as a third grade, and I would ride around the neighborhood, and I would just knock on, on doors of kids to play with. 
like I just, I wanted to, to play with them and, and not to use their stuff, but like to, you can come to my house, we can use my stuff. Like I'm not going there to use you, I'm going to engage you into doing whatever it is that we end up doing together. I think that's what, what God intends in his hospitality, that we are moving toward people to say, well, like what can we do together? How, oh, you don't like to eat in my house? That's fine, great. Like, could we exercise together? Could we walk around together? Could, could we have coffee together? I, I don't know. I don't know what hospitality looks like all the time. But are we willing to, to be knocking on the doors? of pe- Like real doors at times, but, but on relationships. Because we, we, we want to play in God's kingdom and we want God's kingdom to intersect with other people's lives. The second illustration is one that um, we're experiencing as a family right now. Uh, we, have a, we have a puppy who's growing into be like a real dog real soon. Like he's getting big. And, um, and he just, he barks at everyone. He's like crazy barker. And he's like, he's not scary looking. He's pretty cute looking still. But he has like, he's like coming into puberty, dog puberty. So he's getting like the, the, the aggressive bark. And people are like, whoa. And, but he just wants to like be with them. He just wants to, to lick them. So my call is not for you to go and lick people, um, but for you to be excited and to lose your, your aggressive bark, but to be excited about people. And all you introverts are like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, ah, I know, but the spirit was around before there was extrovert, introvert stuff. So he wins. And he can overcompensate uh, for some of your personality uh, stuff that you're like, ah, oh, I've been hiding behind this. He wants to minister through you. Don't make excuses for that. Be open to it. Let him run his hospitality game through you. Let him funnel the goods of God through you. I think I'm done. I don't think I have anything else to say. So I have a lot of notes, but I think that I'm just done because uh, I want to pray for the hospitality of God to overtake your hearts. Now, we're going to respond uh, so first way we're going to respond is we're going to give. Some of you are like, oh man, churches talk about giving. You only want our money, blah, 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 blah. Like that's not it at all. And I know where you're at. Like I remember growing up thinking that, wow, churches seem pretty obsessed with, with money, but it's not for that. We want to be able to fund and resource hospitality of God going out, right? We're in this little tiny office. We don't own a building. Our overhead is really low so that we can maximally put resources toward the mission of God in our city and not just our city, but globally as well. That we wanna see Montreal saturated with the good news of Jesus and our budget's gonna keep growing, growing, growing because we wanna be more and more hospitable toward people. So if you're part of our family, that's part of your responsibility to give and, and to be giving hospitably as well so that other people can be at the table. We're gonna respond through singing. So I would, I would encourage you to sing your guts out at home, right? Sing with full joy that you have been accepted and received. Don't, don't listen to a sermon like this and be like, oh, I suck. I, I'm not doing this or this or this. No, no, no. Like start the place where you're like, oh, God was so hospitable. Remember the story that you were brought into? You were dearly loved. You were his chosen ones. You were holy. Like worship out of that and let, let the other things, some of those, those calls and commands like come out of the worship. Like, oh, I love you. Therefore, I'm gonna go and do this, right? You, you can't obey to be accepted by God. We're accepted by God. So now we can obey. That's the way it works. So we're gonna give 
we're going to sing, uh, we're going to pray, and I'll pray for you. If you need prayer and you're on our online platform, you can click prayer. And then we're going to have a Zoom call after. We have five different locations that we're meeting in right now physically uh, when, when we can be doing that. Um, so we'll have a Zoom call for each one of those locations. But I'm going to pray, and then, uh, and then Jenny and Vivian are going to come back. Jesus, thank you that you are supremely hospitable. Thank you that you invited us into your family. You brought us into your kingdom. Uh, we were enemies. I know for me, I feel most days like I am the worst sinner of all. I don't feel like there's anyone worse than me. I feel like I don't have things put together. Like I am, I'm just, I don't even want some of these things that I just, I just spoke about often. And yet you love me and you, you want to change me. And and I'm assuming that all of us are that way as well, that we know how um, crooked and bent some of our, our motivations and hearts are. And so would you, would you overwhelmingly uh, flood us? I, I'm just thinking of avalanche. You know, would you bring this avalanche of your love to smother us? And don't let us come out of that snow until we believe that we are dearly loved and that, um, that we are your chosen ones, and that we are holy, and that you're not looking for us to be hospitable so that you can finally be hospitable to us. Rather, you've been hospitable to us in every way, and you've given us all the resources we need to be hospitable to others. Would you change the city? Lord, we're asking for hundreds of thousands of people to meet you in this city. We're asking that you would do the miraculous, that you would open up people's understanding of what hospitality actually is, and that they would be in your kingdom and would you use us to that end even now would we see revival before people can be in our homes so that none of us could say oh yeah, yeah i just followed that sermon that was spoken and revival broke out no 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 it came when people couldn't come into homes and people were were dreaming dreams and seeing visions and having this this hunger for you jesus and and there were people there to explain who you are and what you're about so, Spirit, would you come, would you fill us, and would you help us see that we have a real purpose in this city at this time? We love you and we need you. Amen.